Today on the Amped Up to 11 podcast, Kayla Inman. This right below the knee amputee is a TEDx speaker and certified peer visitor for the Amputee Coalition. Kayla continues to work as an amputee advocate and is now branching out into the world of public speaking. Kayla loves the outdoors and is the founder of the Grand Valley Amputee Support Group. Please welcome this extraordinary member of the limb loss community, Kayla Inman. Hey, Kayla, how are you today? Good to have you on the show. Glad to be here. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. What part of the country are you in at the moment so our audience knows where you are? Yeah, currently in Grand Junction, Colorado. Oh, wow. Grand Junction, Colorado. I've never been. Give me some Beautiful. highlights on Grand Junction, Colorado. Yeah, uh, we actually have a national park here, so uh, it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, one of the Enjoy most, it. from what I hear, um, I've certainly flown over Colorado many, many times, but I've never actually uh, had an opportunity to travel specifically to Colorado. And from oh, what I'm right. told by colleagues and different folks is, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Absolutely is. And you're originally from there? I'm originally from South Dakota. So South Dakota. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's something. So, you know, I've done some research on you. We've had some, some exchanges, you know, you and me via email, things like that. And you're one of those people that it's not really difficult to tap into your story a bit. You've done some pretty remarkable things in the community. Obviously, you're working with the Amputee Coalition, which is a Mm -hmm. phenomenal organization in terms of advocacy, in terms of, you know, patient care, aftercare, building the bridges, as we Mm -hmm. say, in this amputee experience, which can be arduous, would be an understatement. And that is wonderful. And I... I was really fascinated by your TEDx talk and some of the points you you got into in that very, what I found to be a very transparent kind of vulnerable moment for you. So that was very inspiring for me um, as well. So of course, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. I, I think the thing I want to get into initially with you is the idea of chronic pain, specifically what you what you've experienced, which is complex regional pain syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that I've been exposed to this particular, uh, let's call it uh, disease or ailment. Mm-hmm. And I think large in part because it's somewhat rare. And yes. you were one of the uh, very, very let's say, unfortunate people that won the chronic pain lottery. And you ended up with something that is not necessarily what we would call an easy go. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think what I would want you to get into initially in the interview today is talk to me about that syndrome and what, what that means to you, what it means to you now, and just kind of give us an overview as well as what that's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you touched on, it is quite rare. 
most people can go through life and never hear about it. Um, and it's, and that's a good thing. Um, because you know, that's something that no one should ever have to deal with because it is the most painful disease known to man at this point. Mm. Um, going through all of the chronic pain was, was eye opening to me. Uh, my, my first time ever hearing of the, the diagnosis was a little shocking. I kind of looked at my doctor and I was like, what, what does that even mean? And he's like, well, let's do some tests and confirm first, and then we'll, we'll go from there. And the look on his face was a little shocking because he, you know, kind of gave me that look of, I don't know how to help you anymore. Hmm. And then I called my sister and she's actually uh, a physician. And, and I talked to her and I was like, what, what is complex regional pain syndrome? Like, what does that mean? Cause like you've gone to school, you, you should know a little bit. And her first words were you're effed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a uh, very comforting coming from a physician. So you're f- so basically saying you're fucked in the sense that yeah. You've got something that we don't know what to do with you. Yeah. We're not really quite sure how to treat you. And it's, whatever cocktail yeah. of medication, therapy, w- whatever we can conjure up, we tend to be unsuccessful in this particular realm. Correct? Correct. Yeah. So uh, a large percentage of folks that end up with this uh, nerve malfunction is what I relate it to because it's the gist of the the disease is your nerves go through a bunch of trauma and what happens is all of the trauma um you know mine was due to being in a, a walking boot for too long with multiple surgeries and then i had um a bunch of doctors before i moved to colorado that just failed to find a problem so they treated me with the wrong things at the wrong time And so I had all this trauma that combined over the years, just um, set my nerves into overdrive. And so, you know, a a breeze across my foot felt like razor blades and um, putting on a sock would feel like it's being crushed. Hmm. And so going through that was, was quite eye opening because a lot of folks that end up with this disease, they go through these initial treatments and they find some relief. And every treatment that I tried and just made everything so much worse. I started off where I equate it to on the McGill pain scale um, to unprepared childbirth was about where I started off in the journey. And that was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The pain just wouldn't go away. And by the end of my journey before amputating my leg, I got to a 45 out of a 50 on the pain scale, which is the most painful that you could imagine. Um, worse than actually an amputation, which is wild to me yet. Um, so it's just this. And this was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this was the a result of your fall, correct? When you yeah. had the fall? And what year, yeah. what year did you fall? And it was, uh, you slipped on uh, ice or something like that? Yes. Yeah, I was, I was at a, a job site and I slipped on ice uh, in January of 2017. Oh, 2017. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the result of that fall, what was symptomatic after your fall? Did this syndrome come on like very quickly? Was it a slow deterioration that led you to an unbearable place? What What was that particular evolution like? Yeah. So when I slipped on the ice, I initially had a really sharp pain in my foot. 
Um, and then I had seen a bunch of doctors and they're like, we don't know why you have pain in your foot. And it slowly got like a little less, um, but it was still there. It was every day. It was when I was walking. And so um, moving to Colorado, I found a doctor who was like, actually, you broke a bone in your foot. Let's try and fix it the right way. Mm. And over the course of a year, we tried multitude of different things to try and fix it naturally. And we got to the point where it was like, you've walked on a broken foot for a year and a half. Let's just call it quits. Like we've got to fix it with surgery. Um, after that surgery, like I never quite healed right. I, you know, my, my foot was always just achy and sore. And I tried to let my physicians know, like, you know, after I walked a few miles, like it felt like my foot was just another being it was painful it was exhausted it was tired like it was its own thing itself um and then about a year and a half after that first surgery i had a, the same kind of sharp pain that i initially had uh, so i went back in and they found that a piece of the hardware in my foot had actually broke off and broke the bone next to the original break mm. and so going through that was like okay well we're gonna try and heal it naturally again and see if we can try different things and well you were sounds like you were this house of cards okay you had this you had this fragility about Mm -hmm. your foot and attempts were being made how many actual surgeries did you have before you even entered this fear of hey we may have to amputate your foot so i had uh so after my second foot surgery is when they the the complex regional pain syndrome symptoms really showed up. Um, we we kind of guessed that they started showing up after that first foot surgery. Um, but that second foot surgery was the point where it was like, we've got a problem. We've got a big problem here. And going through that second foot surgery was, was difficult because even at eight weeks post-op, like there was no pain relief and it just kept getting worse and worse. Um, and then during the course of my treatment for CRPS, I also had to have, uh, like a spinal cord stimulator put in my back, Mm. um, which was a pretty rough surgery in itself. Um, so we did try and do that additional surgery before amputation. And that's a pretty progressive, I know a few people that have tried those, those, you know, uh, stimulation therapies, having those devices, you know, you know, either put in their chest or put in different areas of the body. Uh, in order to, let's call it, distract the mm-hmm. nerve pain to sort of create uh, frequencies that sort of jam the transmission, let's call yep. it. And I know that there are successes and then there's epic failures in in, yeah. in those procedures. And I think when I do engage people that are either in the midst of dealing with chronic pain or they are somewhat of a, let's call it a chronic pain survivor, Mm -hmm. very often they will speak about the pain, which we all know what pain is. Everyone has a different threshold for pain, Mm -hmm. but they will really get into some of the deeper ideas of the emotional toll, that chronic pain, debilitating pain can, you know, affect your life. In, in an extraordinary way in that Absolutely. your life becomes something of a prison sentence. Your life becomes something that 
for a lot of folks, you tend to even play with the idea of not wanting to be here anymore. And that's when things can get to a boiling point. And that's when usually drastic action needs to be taken or, Mm -hmm. or more risky things need to be done to try to resolve what's going on. And can, do you feel comfortable talking about some of those emotional components, what you were feeling in that time, let's say after the second surgery, where it would appear as if you were reaching your boiling point? Yeah. And that's what, one of the things with CRPS is it's actually got a nickname of the suicide disease. Um, more than 50% of folks with CRPS contemplate suicide. And that's, it's hard to explain it to a lot of folks that don't have to live through that chronic pain, but going through it, there were more days than not where I was just like, I can't continue like this. I, I struggled to eat, to breathe, to sleep without like moving my body. If I just laid there, I was still in just constant pain. And so, you know, I was unable to do the things I loved anymore. And I was unable to even function at my job. I was unable to function in relationships. I, you know, became angry and, and just so depressed. I think you'd be somewhat bitter as well. Just feeling like your body had betrayed you. Yeah. And I I had gone through a lot of those emotions too prior to that second foot surgery, just because all before I fell, I, you know, was really active and running half marathons and doing all these sports and, and going from that to being bedridden was devastating to me because I, I took for granted my mobility and, and having to not only be bedridden, but be in a state where I, I couldn't sleep and I, you know, couldn't eat because the pain was so bad. And it was, it it was something unlike I've ever experienced and something that I hope nobody else ever experiences because it's, it's just debilitating. What is the, what would you say if I were to come to you today, you know, given your, your experience in this and I, I was dealing with chronic pain. The, the, the kind of chronic pain that we're describing right now, I mean, what, what would your advice be to that person? I think the best piece of advice that I could give is that just take it day by day. Um, and that's a, a hard thing to say. And it's a hard thing to just, you know, just one minute at a time. If you can find that one moment where you have a, a moment of relief, you can just pluck that, hold on to it. Know that there, there are options out there. That's the other thing. Um, I, I know a lot of folks too that go through this chronic pain and they quit fighting and they quit advocating for themselves. And so then they think that there's no more options. And so they just stay miserable. And one of the things I learned through all of this is you have to just keep fighting. And, and it took quite a bit of strength to ask my doctors, like I got to each of these stages in my, my medical experiences and, 
you know, each doctor was like, I can't help you anymore. I think this person may be able to, but I don't know. Like they just kept passing me off and passing me off. And finally I was like, I need somebody to tell me that they think they can help me. And that's where, you know, I was like, I, I need somebody to cut off my leg because like, I need to keep fighting. I needed, I needed hope. Did you, um, did you, you, did you struggle at all to find an orthopedic surgeon that was, that was in that mindset of, yeah, um, you definitely need an amputation that that's a, you know, that that's very much a viable option or was that something that just seemed like part of, you know, like the next step in this whole process? So the spinal cord stimulator is typically the last stage for a lot of folks with um, CRPS, they typically find relief, at least some relief. Um, so then they can get back to doing their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when I got to that point where it had failed so miserably, I was like, I don't, I don't care. I need, I need something to fix this and I need it now. And my, my spinal cord surgeon at the time was like, I, I don't know how to help you. And I, I don't know of anybody who can, and so it was a lot of Google research and finding out that there was an amputation specialist. And I flew all the way out to see him. And I was like, listen, I know this is not typical. And I know it would seem as an elective procedure at this point, but I, I'm going to die if you, and he, you know, examined my leg and he's like, I'll be real with you. I've only done it on a dozen other people and I've had success uh, with most of them. So uh, but there is a big chance that this is gonna fail too. So I want to make sure that you understand, like. So I think this... that's uh, that's a really important point, and this is, I think, probably the thing that is most profound to me, anyway, about your situation is that you went through all of this, dealing with chronic pain as the result of a fall multiple surgeries, multiple progressive therapies to try to get you to some kind of quality of life, mm -hmm. which even took you down a path of uh, contemplation of ending your life, took you down a path of, you know, understanding that I'm running out of options. So now the idea that I'm going to remove a part of my body voluntarily which you are you are amongst a unique group of amputees because very often we don't we don't sign on for this we don't volunteer this usually most amputations as you know because you part of the amputee coalition you see the statistics are usually from some sort of traumatic event mm -hmm. or it has to do with some kind of vascular issue, some kind of infection, some kind of issue. I, I had a bone infection in my right foot. That's why I'm an amputee. So mm -hmm. you're coming to a place of, I, I need to do this. I need to try this option. And now you're being told, you know what, Kayla, there's a chance this isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, that's the, that was, not as devastating as all the other surgeons that got me to that point. Cause at least he was like, I think I can help you. I, I, I can't guarantee it, but I think I can. And that was that little bit of hope was, was what I needed at that point because every other doctor was like, I can't help you anymore. I can't help you. I can't do this. I can't. 
and there was no hope and it was you know that's that's so so pivoting from a from a chronic pain uh patient that's struggling with mobility to an amputee which is a whole new i mean these are two very different worlds Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to I'm, I guess I'm trying to place myself in, in your mental space in that moment. Was this a, hey, just, just get rid of this foot, get rid of this part of my leg. I, I, I have to explore this. I don't even care what being an amputee is like. Or was it, okay, now I need to dive into, well, you know, what, what, what's a prosthesis and, you know, what's, what's the aftercare like when you're an amputee? Was, was there any part of you that given all the stress and duress and just incredible pain that you were in, did any of that even allow you to contemplate the life of an amputee? Not really. So by the time I had made that choice and I had found that surgeon, I hadn't slept in I don't know how many days and I hadn't eaten. I couldn't even eat solid food. You're, and just so exa- I was, you're just exhausted. Yeah. And so like I, in my mind, the only thought that I kept going is I'm not going to make it to Christmas. I'm not going to make it to Christmas. Like I need something to fix this or I'm going to die. Um, so I like, it didn't even matter to me. I just, I was like, I have to try this because if I, if, even if this doesn't work, like I'm not making it to Christmas. Like this is, this is the end of my journey. Like it's life or death at this point. Um, and so <laughs> I was just like, I have to do this. I have to try it. And I have to put every ounce of faith in this because if it does work, then I'm going to make the best of it and I'm going to figure it out as I go. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to have to figure out a way to tell my family like this, this is the end. So, yeah. And, um, I always find in my own personal space, my own personal journey, it's those little teeny tiny, sometimes microscopic shreds of hope mm-hmm. that get me to the next, you know, challenge through the next phase, through the next yep. struggle. And as long as I can maintain some semblance of that, I've got just enough of a chance to maybe make it work somehow. And yeah, exactly. Very daunting situation that you were in. And I want you to describe, because I do think you also describe this in your TEDx talk, the moment you came out of your surgery, had an assemblance of, okay, I'm, I'm still here. I survived. <laughs> my Part of my limb is gone. And you, you had this somewhat profound kind of thought. And what was that? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I woke up and I didn't have pain and I was, I was, I mean, I just started sobbing. And so that was, you know, hallelujah. The pain is gone. The pain is gone. And it was, you know, I was sobbing and the doctors rushed in and they're like, what is wrong? I was like, I don't have any pain anymore. I'm so excited. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, they're like, okay, good for you. Go back to bed. Like, just take a moment and it was just yeah rest up because the new challenges are coming you're an amputee now (laughs) yeah and that's what yeah those first two days in the hospital all i did is just sleep i was so tired and i was like finally and then on day three i woke up i was like i'm gonna make the best of this and i'm going to get 
so much better so fast and I convinced them to take out all the like nerve blocks and the epidurals and I was like we're gonna walk today I don't care what it takes wow. and you know PTOT came in and they're like all right we're gonna get you out of bed and you know my leg buckled because I can't feel my long leg anymore because <laughs> I'm yeah. so doped up from all the drugs and yep. and they're like I think maybe you should just rest it's like nope we're doing this it's funny you say that. I, I recall my, you know, my first let's get out of bed and, you know, walk around in a walker moment where you're, you know, I'm just on, you know, I'm on my left leg and, you know, my residual limbs just kind of dangling and I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is different. You know, how, how am I going to make all this work? And mm -hmm. I can see where for someone like yourself that had been, just so just in like you were just so in like bondage i mean you were so chained down uh in your life that suddenly everything probably seemed so much more optimistic and possible because yes. i think when you talk about becoming an amputee living with limb loss or limb difference so much of it is what you make of it Mm -hmm. It really has so much to do with you and not so much everyone else because yeah. we can surround ourselves with really great practitioners and surgeons and therapists and prosthetists and all these really uh, specialized, super intelligent people. Mm -hmm. But I think what I found out, and I'll let you comment on this, I, I I realized very quickly that it was all up to me. Yep. No exactly. one was going to do this for me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So was this was that experience like that for you as far as learning how to walk again, uh, you know, adapting to a prosthetic, all of that? Yeah, uh yeah, it was it was an interesting journey for me because I at like getting to this point and, you know, telling my friends and family, like I'm choosing to cut my leg off because I'm not going to live if I don't, you know, most of them were telling me that that was the worst life choice I could ever make. They were telling me all these complications that could happen and all these potential issues and the phantom pain and all of these things. And I was just like, you know what? I am making this choice on my own to try and save my own life and I am the only one in my own corner fighting for myself like I, I didn't feel like I had support through it all and I that's what when I got up and I was like you know what this is me this is all I have as long as I put my faith in myself then I can do anything yeah yeah so. I I personally I've been fortunate that I've never dealt with chronic pain, uh, but I have had the benefit of having family mm -hmm. that has managed chronic pain. Yeah. And when you're close to someone that is on that particular bus, it doesn't take very long to realize how how um, how hard that is, how how real it is for someone. And mm -hmm. it's uh, it it's something that if you truly care about the person going through that, you, you kind of take that journey with them mm -hmm. and you feel that pain and that struggle. And it's, 
it's no cakewalk. It's it's a daily, it's kind of like a daily siege in terms of just getting through the day. What 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 was um so now you're you're your new, you know, new baby bird amputee. What was your biggest uh, challenge adapting to to that kind of a life? You know, what were the things that you thought, oh shit, like this isn't easy? Yeah the the first like month and a half I had my prosthesis, I really struggled, and my what I realized is that my brain remembered all of the pain. And so I couldn't actually take a full step, a full weighted step on my my short leg anymore. Um, and so I had to go through a bunch of therapy. We did EMDR, and it was it was a struggle for me because I I wanted I had that drive to just run right away, and for it to say nope, we're not walking. We have to use a walker. We have to use crutches. We have to use canes. Like we're not actually taking a full step was really hard to overcome for me. I I think for a lot of amputees, that's a, that's a really important point because very often some people will adapt to a prosthesis very quickly mm -hmm. and they're just kind of often not running, but they're at least often walking. And Mm -hmm. there are others that tend to use assistive devices, even in the first couple of years where, you know, they, they go from a walker to a crutch, to a cane, mm-hmm. to you know, various things that allow them the ability to evolve and continue to trust the equipment and be mm-hmm. able to, like you're saying, just bear weight. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's important to, you know, in terms of the advocacy for those various uh, fitness levels, it, all of that is okay. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. You, you, there is no specific timetable as mm-hmm. to how fast you are supposed to be using a full gate kind of walking or how fast you should be able to traverse a set of stairs. Mm-hmm. All of that is in your time at your pace. Yes. So I think that's important for the audience to know because very often oh, yeah. we'll talk to these para athletes and these high performing uh, amputees, and they are a very, very small percentage of us. Mm-hmm. Most of us are living in the normal world. We don't have sponsorships. We don't have all kinds yeah. of cool gear and blades and all kinds of stuff um, yeah. that allows us to be sexy as much, let's say, with our yeah. with our gear. But we we have to be able to function and mm-hmm. be able to live and work and go for a hike or you know I know you're an animal lover you know be with your be with your animals and and do the things that you want to do so how long you're saying okay there there was sort of this let's call it your trial period where you're you're trying to uh get completely used to a prosthesis mm-hmm. what was that like how long was that before you could completely just let go of that yeah yeah, I uh, yeah I had had my prosthetic leg for like a month and a half, and I went home for Thanksgiving, and I was with my family. And at that point, I had I was still on crutches. I was still really struggling, and I was talking to family, and my brain just 
went into this like forget everything mode and I took a step and there's a bunch of pain and I was like oh my gosh I've just broke my leg like this is gonna be crazy so I didn't walk on it the rest of the day the following morning I woke up and I was able to walk without canes and crutches I was like this is insane like it took that one moment of realizing that I was able to do it and I didn't have the same pain and that was what my brain was like oh it's not the same it's a little different it was like a very quick like oh you stepped a little funny but it's okay and uh the like a couple days later i was walking through the denver airport on my way home and i was just like this is great like i don't yeah you had a break you had a breakthrough yeah and and many many amputees that i talk to on the daily uh i will cite that i'll say you will have your breakthrough moments where there's something that you didn't think you could do Mm -hmm. and if you did stick your toes in the water it went terribly (laughs) just went not very well let's put it that way and now you've you're in this cautious space about certain things and the last time i i was able to i I think my insurance gives me a new leg uh every year now Mm -hmm. um and that is of course is i have to meet a bunch of requirements in order for that to get approved yeah but last uh, summer, I was able to procure a new prosthesis, and I'm, I was really excited about it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wearing it now. But uh, the thing that excited me about it was, first of all, that it was completely waterproof, which meant I could take it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And what I also loved about it, it, it's a single strut design, so it allows me to walk, run, hike, traverse, you know, uh, incline, do, do all of these things that in a traditional, you know, kind of socket with a pylon type of design, not that you can't do those things, but they, be, they become a little more tricky to yep. get the prosthesis to do the things that you want it to do. Mm-hmm. And so I get fitted for this thing. You know, my prosthetist is like, hey, let's, you know, let's go out in the parking lot, let's test drive. And, you know, I'm all excited and feels great and it's comfortable. And, and we get in a parking lot and I'm walking around, I'm walking at a pretty good clip. And he says, um, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to film you. I film all my patients. You know, I just, I, I, I like to catalog, you know, everyone and see their gates and all that stuff. And, you know, he's filming. He goes, he goes, Hey, uh, he goes, Rick, I want you to run. Kayla, I don't, <laughs> I don't run. I, I, and before I had a prosthesis, I didn't run. Yeah. So I wasn't a running type of person. I mean, if you said, Hey, let's go for a jog. I mean, I could probably jog a bit. Yeah. I've always been really into cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done plenty of, you know, 5Ks and stuff just walking, but I was never a runner, let's mm-hmm. call it. I know I know that's a certain breed of human, the runners out there, people that yes. want to run, and it just wasn't me. And he goes, just run a little bit for me. And, oh, my God, Kayla, it did not go well. <laughs> because, first of all, I don't have a natural, you know, running rhythm, let's call it. Yeah. So it just looked very kind of like wobbly and 
almost like I was going to fall over. And it was so funny because, you know, I, 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 I tried to run maybe about 10 feet and he goes, he goes, uh, maybe we'll do that next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he, right. I, I think he was like, oh no, like he can't run. So anyway, I think the point I was trying to make was now, okay, fast forward a year. Now I can run in this prosthesis yeah. and I can actually do it confidently where mm -hmm. I don't feel wobbly. I don't feel like I'm going to fall. Um, I can actually get a pretty good stride going mm -hmm. with this leg. And these are like the breakthroughs that mm -hmm. happen. And just like you described with you taking that first step, same thing happened. I was in a parking lot and just in my mind, I thought, man, my prosthesis feels really good today. feels really comfortable. I wonder what it would, what would happen if I just jog across the parking lot right now. Yeah. And I did it and I totally blew myself away. Like, wow, I can actually run. Mm -hmm. And that was that was one of those kind of magical moments. And I think a lot of amputees, you know, will experience that if they mm -hmm. continue to push themselves, try new things. You know, yeah. uh, I know you're you're a hiker too as well, right? Yeah, actually, I uh, I just got my first running blade not oh, long really? ago. So I am a runner. <laughs> How dare um, you? <laughs> <laughs> Look at you so, bragging about your, uh, your running, your blades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it was a long wait. I, uh, I had to convince a lot of people to help get me to that point. And I, like you said earlier, like we don't get sponsors. No, we, we have to, uh, pay to walk. We have to pay to run. And that's something that I'm overcoming in the mental capacity as well as, you know, but the freedom. That's why I'm running my first 5k on it tonight. And so I'm really, excited. really? congratulations. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, I ran a 10k on my everyday leg last year. And that was a quite the learning curve of like, I don't think I can do that without damaging my hips and my knees. And yeah, it's, like, pre it's a pretty rough it. go if you don't have the right kind yeah. of energy return. Mm -hmm. uh, traditional oh, yeah. uh, prosthesis, you know, I, I had a leg for a while that had a hydraulic ankle mm -hmm. and that helped with hiking because yeah. it allowed me to get my plant my foot on uneven surfaces well, mm -hmm. but I really couldn't run in it. It just oh, didn't yeah. give me the shock absorption and the energy return that the leg that I have now does where, yeah. you know, when I first started walking in it, I'm like, wow, I feel like my legs like a spring where I take a step and my foot just kind of bounces off the pavement, you know? Yeah. So it's a weird feeling at first and you yeah. get used to it, but I know with running blades, you know, am I right? There's, there's quite a bit of that return that you get from it. Yeah. The, the feeling it was, it was hard to describe the first couple of times I ran on it. Cause I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it looks, um, you know, it looks like it's going to push you forward faster. It looks like it's going to give you all this big advantage. And what it really felt like after I started really running on it was it just felt like I had good form mm. running. Like it didn't feel like I could run any faster, which I still can't. I run a 15 minute mile. So, <laughs> you know, not a fast runner by still, any means, but it's fantastic. Yeah. That's a huge, so, that's a huge achievement. Um, any, any progress, 
you know, is good progress as far as I'm concerned. The, the behavior that you're modeling um, is so important for the community. And I, I, I always talk about the normalization of this particular mm -hmm. lifestyle and yeah. that we, we do all the normal things that everyone yeah. else does. It just looks a little bit different. Um, yeah. we're, all, we're all the same species here. Uh, yeah. I wanna talk a little bit about the Amputee Coalition and what brought you to that particular organization? Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Uh, so I lost my leg and my first question to the doctor was, what do I do now? And he's like, I don't actually know. Um, so good luck. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I started Googling and, you know, I come across all these Facebook groups. And then I found somebody who's like, hey, the Amputee Coalition has these online support groups. And so... I started with those and and that's kind of where I I found them as I I needed that support. Um and then in doing one of those I was like, you know what? I actually want to meet people in person. So then I started uh the first amputee support group here in the valley um and now we serve most of western Colorado. Wow. Um and then in doing that, I also learned that I could go and get training to be a peer visitor and actually go into those hospital settings and talk to fresh amputees and say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like we can do this together. Um, yeah. Certif so certified peer really visiting great. is uh, that's a huge component of what the amputee coalition does in sending people like yourself, functioning mm -hmm. amputees that not only have, been through it, but they have something very unique in the support mm -hmm. piece to offer in yeah. terms of wisdom, in terms of engagement. Um, that's really, really amazing that so much of this experience has come full circle for you. And yeah. now you're serving the community with your own dedicated support group, and you continue to reach out to others to give them support as well. So do you feel like, and I hear this very often from amputees, do you feel like your life now, let's say in contrast, or the person you are now in contrast to the person that you were before this whole journey started? How would you, how would that Kayla compare to this now Kayla? Mm, that's a, a good question. I think the the version I am today is is much wiser and much more compassionate than I ever thought I could be uh, during all that chronic pain like I had mentioned earlier is like very angry and very just a terrible human being to be around I was you know upset and complained and bitch moaned and whined all the time and you know that's no fun to be around and, you know, understanding and going through all of that and understanding that I can bring that change and I can be that, that person to say, Hey, we can do this together and I'm here to help. Um, I, I enjoy doing that because it, it, it makes a difference in people's lives and I don't want them to go through what I had to go through. And so I think this this version of me is is a little more motivated to to make sure that nobody ends up where I did. 
I think that's beautiful because so often these types of struggles and life, you know, life changing uh, occurrences will put us in this trajectory of positivity. It'll force us to seek seek out our best selves, and it's it's as if we've been given this second chance, mm -hmm. and we want to do it better. You know, we want to reach our fullest potential or be the best that we can be within the confines of whatever this circumstance is. Yep. Because myself, I'm, you know, I'm more active now than I've ever been in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm more focused on work-life balance than I've ever mm -hmm. been in my entire life. And I feel that if there's a secret sauce, um, I'm cultivating that now. Whereas when I was a younger guy, I just, I was just very driven professionally and I just didn't think a whole lot about people. Mm -hmm. It was really not a people game for me. It was a me game. Yeah. And, you know, advocacy in this space is so important and it's, yeah. it's remarkable to see you uh, engaging the amputee coalition and having your own support group um, given the body of wisdom that you now have via, mm -hmm. you know, via this experience with chronic pain and this subsequent uh, amputation. If, if someone is looking for uh, support engagement from you specifically, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, any way, I guess I have uh, like a, I have a Facebook group. I, I do a lot of social media. I have an Instagram. I do TikToks. I okay. Put my, so let's uh, walk through that, just because yeah. people are going to want to uh, reach out to you. Yeah. And um, the group, the group is called the Grand Valley Amputee Support Group. Correct? Yes. Do I have that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So if you want to look up the Grand Valley Amputee Support Group, uh, Kayla Inman. It's I N M A N. Yes. Correct. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously most of the folks that, you know, listen in on the show are pretty familiar with the amputee coalition. Yeah. We, we, we don't have to oversell that organization. Um, anything you're, are, are you planning on being out at the conference, uh, this summer? As of right now? No. Um, I'm hoping to get there, but, uh, at this time, the stars aren't aligning for that. I'm in this, I'm in the same camp. It's like, I've got so much going on this summer that it's a very wishful thinking kind of thought. Yep. Like, God, I, I would really like to go. Yep. And there's so many folks that I interact with, that I've interviewed, that I've networked with, that I know are going to be there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's this, this piece of me that's that's pulling that direction. Like, Oh, it'd be so nice to connect with people and, yeah, you know, even prospect for some new guests, you know, next yeah. year, stuff like that. But then it's goes back to, and you know, I have my full-time job and I have all these other yeah. things that I have to do. And right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have those sponsors to help get us there. I'm like, I'm like, can someone pay to send me out there? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. That'd be great. That would be awesome. You know, yeah. but, um, I'm hoping that that's a smashing success out there. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
so blown away by you and your story. I'm I'm so happy that you you reached out and we were able to arrange um, this talk today. Uh, yeah. You are Kayla Inman. Yes. I am Rick Bonkowski, and this is the Amped Up to Eleven podcast. Thanks again, Kayla. I so appreciate you being here, and I want to wish everyone health and happiness. And we will see you next time.